This is the sermon podcast for Mosaic Church in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Committed to bringing the beauty of the gospel of Jesus to the broken places of our lives. I feel like we're shifting. This must be the way the shade rolls throughout the service. You guys are so intuitive. Uh, if you're here with us again as a guest, I can't thank you enough for joining us. We have been spending um, our summer in the book of Psalms. And if you're, if you're new to the Bible, uh, the Psalms is a collection of individually written uh, poems that were used as, as kind of the hymn book or the song book of the ancient uh, Israelites. And so they're in the Old Testament. There's 150 of them. Uh, this morning, we're going to be looking at Psalm 51. So if you've brought a Bible with you and you'd like to follow along, we're going to be in Psalm 51. Uh, we, uh, again, for the summer, uh, we've kind of just been hopping around in different psalms trying to give you just kind of a, a wide view of, of all of the kind of the complex dynamics that are in play in the book of Psalms. Uh, if, you're, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, uh, you'll, you're, you're probably pretty familiar with the psalms. And the psalms, for many believers have been this this refuge for the soul uh, this place when times are hard the psalms are, are easy to read and, and one of the reasons that is it in my opinion is that it exposes you um, to what it means to really be human um, all of the psalms provide this deep complex view of our emotional life with God and so this summer, we've just been looking at just various psalms that kind of give us different views on that. And this morning's psalm, Psalm 51, is a, is a, is a well-known uh, psalm that was written by King David. And uh, it would fall um, under the, the category of, a, of what's called a penitent psalm. Uh, it's kind of a, a subspecies of the lament. We've looked at a couple of lament psalms, which are, are the psalms that cry out to God. Uh, this, this is less corporate and a little bit more private uh, in that King David um, is lamenting his sinfulness before God. And before I read it, I, I think I've, I feel like I've done this with, with every psalm I've preached, but in the, in, in the title there, which, which was part of the, that's not part of our English Bibles, that's in the Hebrew text, that's what David wrote, it, it's written to the choir master. And um, again, kind of repeated this several times, but I want you to, to grip this, that, that David wrote this to be publicized. David was not concerned uh, with his reputation or his status or how people might look at him when they found out these things about him. Uh, there, there's a raw vulnerability of a really high and powerful person in this psalm and, and, and my hope is that you would become raw and vulnerable with your own life uh, as we read it and hear it, hear it preached this morning. So let me, uh, if you'll follow along with me, uh, this is Psalm 51 uh, for us this morning. To the choir master, a psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet went to him after he had gone in to Bathsheba. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. 
so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice or I would give it. You will not be pleased with the burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Do good to Zion in your good pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in right sacrifices, in burnt offerings, and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. This is the word of our God. Let's pray and ask him to bless the preaching of it this morning. Pray with me. Father, it's with... um, open hearts and minds and ears that we are gathered around your word this morning. Uh, We are not here to hear um, words from a man. Uh, We are here to hear words uh, from you. And so, Lord, we pray that you would use this man to speak clearly to us, Lord. Help us to hear the majesty of your voice echoing in our souls this morning. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, not a ton of bright spots in our um, parenting uh, these days, uh, but we, we had a little bright spot this week, and so this, this is not a humble brag. Um, there, there are many more failure stories I can share than this one, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share a bright spot with you this morning. Um, right now, in our home, uh, in our garage, because of uh, COVID life, there are more uh, recreational vehicles and balls and toys around our house. Just We're just collecting them. I'm like, we're buying things on Craigslist, and we're buying bikes for the kids and all these things. And uh, for, the, for the last few weeks, uh, one of our sons, Micah, our middle, our middle guy, uh, has, been, has been really, really wanting a skateboard. Now, you know, from the, from the moment the word skateboard rolled off his tongue, you know, we started giving him all the horror stories and, you know, the threats of the emergency room and broken arm. And not, he was just unceasingly, no flinch, he wanted the skateboard. So this week, we kind of wandered around. We, we actually found out that one of our family members has an old skateboard. And so, you know, we were going to give him the skateboard and kind of let him have it. But we were going to surprise him. And the surprise was yesterday. Well, yesterday comes, and he's gonna go, we're going to go get the skateboard in the afternoon. But that morning, boy, it was, it was a morning of all mornings. Uh, big emotions, lots of attitude, all the problems, you know, the, the chaos of, a, of an 8-year-old boy uh, kind of exploded. So Micah just, he had a rough, he had a bit of a rough morning. Um, but uh, in, our, in our wisdom of parenting, we decided, you know, it would have been very easy to just been punitive and, you know, punish the behavior, right? Like, 
Hey, you easily could have just said, hey, look, we were going to get you a skateboard, but you've behaved like this, so no more skateboard, you know. And in, in probably our weaker moments, we would have done that. But we thought, you know what, let's go after the heart today. So we just carried on our day. It was getting real nasty. And I told him, hey, you're going to run a couple errands with Dad. We're going to go out in the afternoon, got to run errands. And, like, running errands with Dad is, like, that's punishment in and of itself. So Micah is just undone. He's losing his cool. He storms to the truck. By the way, I've, I've got permission from him to, to share this insight into his life from this morning. But um, we're, we're storming out the door. We get to the truck. He's just just terribly upset with me. He's just mad at me. And I look over at him. This is my one bright spot of parenting this week. I look over at him and I say, Micah, I love you so much. Like, I love you with all my being. I love you so much. And here's how much I love you. We're not actually going to run errands. We're going to get you a skateboard. And like in that moment, like I, could, I watched his, his, his heart melt on the seat of my truck. Like he was just like tears, explosion of love. And he, and he says this to me. He says, Dad, how could you love me like that? And it was like that, that I got his heart, right? Like he had done nothing to merit my love, and he felt it, like in his bones. Like there's no reason that, God should, or that, that my dad should be treating me like this right now. And, and it was in that moment that I, that I had a glimpse of God's love for, for me. Right, like the thing that I want to convince you from in this psalm is that the, 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 the entire reason for your existence is because God wants to captivate your heart with his love. He wants you, much like my son Micah, to just melt away by how astounding and shocking and extravagant and lavish and unpredictable his love for you is. Um, the Bible frequently uses the language of God wants clean hearts. He wants pure hearts. Jesus would even say, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Now, I know in a, in a group like this, we've got just a range of people who have been in and around Christianity and the Bible and the church. And so I, my suspicion is, is that most of, some of us, maybe I won't use most, but some of us have been under this framework with God that would say, the way he's going to get uh, to my life is through, my, through modifying my behavior. Like, the way that, that, that I'm going to know that God love, loves me is if my, my behavior's on point. If I do things right. If I'm generally a good, nice, kind person. I, I would say most of us probably believe that to some degree. Uh, but this passage, um, Psalm 51, invites you um, to, to embrace this. And I've kind of been just trying to, you know, we cannot unpack this whole psalm. I could probably preach 10 sermons on this psalm. But I'm just going to try to communicate one kind of basic idea to you from this psalm this morning. And I, and I hope that you can, can grasp it with me. And it, and it is this. This psalm teaches us what a broken and contrite heart is. That's the language of David. The heart that God wants for you. Like if you want a clean, pure heart that experiences God love, God's love, here's what you need to know this morning. You need to have a heart that knows two things, how little it deserves and how much it has received. So a broken heart is a heart that knows how little it deserves and how much it has received. 
Um, another, another way we could put it um, is, is I want you to know this morning how deeply lost you are and how deeply loved you are. Like that dynamic is the gospel. Like the thing that will undo your heart like it undid Micah's in my truck is if you know how deeply flawed you are and at the same time how deeply loved you are. So let's just look at, um, I'm going to use the language of the heart this morning, kind of for our point. So let's look at the lost heart and let's look at the loved heart. So the lost heart is primarily the first nine verses. Um, David, if you look at the language of the psalm, he is very thorough in the way he talks about his, his flawedness. He talks about his iniquities, his transgressions, and his sins. Uh, it's kind of it's just a multifaceted way of looking at his his rebellion against God. A transgression would be a breach of trust that that God had entrusted him some care of obedience to him, and he had broken that trust. Uh, iniquity is is an ethical crime. God had set a standard. David had broke the standard, and then sin is used frequently in the Bible as missing the mark. God said, "Here's what your life should look like. You've missed the mark." Uh, and if you know the background of this story, uh, it's family service, so I'll keep it, you know, we're going to go G-rated here. But David uh, was caught up uh, in, in an outside affair of his life um, with Bathsheba. It's noted in the, in the title. Uh, not only was he caught up in that, but he then had uh, her husband uh, killed in war in battle. So, like, off the top of my head, he's broke at least, like, four of the top ten commandments immediately. Like, like the, the depth of his depravity is, is, is on paper, is, it's, it's unrenounced. Like, it is very clear that David has committed cosmic treason against his creator. And so David is he's raw, and he's honest about it. Um, there is no... Um, here's, here's the nature of humanity when we deal with our iniquities, transgressions, and sins. We blame shift, or we avoid it, or we minimize it. Like one of those three usually way, that's usually the ways that we best handle our sinfulness. We're so deeply flawed that we have to do something with it, and we'll either blame others we will avoid it entirely through the distractions of our lives. We will never go deep with that stuff, or we'll just minimize it. Well, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not an adulterer. I'm not a murderer. I'm not coveting. I'm not doing all those major things. I'm really not that bad of a person. But Jesus made it abundantly clear that it was both our badness and our goodness that would condemn us. So not only is a man like David, who on paper, cr- criminal, you know, treason to the cosmic level, um, but also a, a, a good young man like a lawyer would come up and say, hey, what, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And he said, well, keep the commandments. And he says, I've kept all the commandments. And Jesus says, okay, you've kept all the commandments. Now go sell everything that you have, give it away, uh, and follow me. And the man went away sad. So, so Jesus was abundantly clear that neither our badness or our goodness would be enough to keep us away, f- to, to get us into God's love or to keep us away from God's love. So the good news, um, and a, a rock of ages, cleft for me, some of you old school, been around the church, sing that song. There's a line in Rock of Ages that says, uh, uh, be of sin the double cure for me, uh, release me or save me from its guilt and power. The double cure, guilt and power. That's what David needed. He needed to be rescued 
from both the guilt of his sin as well as the power of his sin that it had in his life. Um, The same is true of you today. Without exception, every single individual represented here or listening on on our video stuff um, is without exception both guilty of sinfulness and enslaved to its power. And the good news about Jesus, um, every psalm, if you, you know, if I'm a predictable preacher, it is for this. Um, every text is about Jesus. Psalm 51 is thoroughly and utterly about the work that Jesus came to do. He came to release his people from the guilt of their sin. And the only way that guilt could be um, appeased is through the atonement of death. And so Jesus coming... And dying a criminal, a death on a criminal's cross, as we sang, is the only way that the guilt over our lives could be utterly removed. Um, the language of, of, of David was that it would be blotted out, that language of cleansing. Throughout the psalm, it, there's over 20 times and 20 images of being blotted out or cleansed. That's when your guilt is removed you are cleansed. You are, you are right with God. But, but it wasn't just the guilt. I feel like most of us get that. Jesus' death on the cross, I've been forgiven of my sin, I'm no longer guilty or condemned in the eyes of God, um, and now I, can just, now I get a second chance. It's kind of, but the backside of that very same coin is not just that you were relieved from its guilt, but from its power. And so it's not that God gave you a second chance, it's that he gave you a uh, not, not, a, not a clean slate, a clean record to do a better job. What he gave you was, was a new record. He gave you a new resume. So the, the teaching of the New Testament is that Christ became sin for us. That's the death, right? And he also gave us his righteousness. Uh, the theological language, if you want to kind of write this down, is imputation. It's a legal term, and, and David's psalm is loaded with legal language. Uh, the record of sin he wanted blotted out with, against him was a, a legal record that was on file for David. So the good news about Jesus is that he comes and he takes your file out of the filing cabinet of your life, and he replaces it with his resume. And so what you see in Jesus' earthly life is perfect complete obedience. Um, There was nothing unclean in him. He had no transgressions, iniquities, or sin. He was flawless. He was blameless. He was upright. He had perfect standing with God. And for the believer in Jesus, his resume is placed onto your account. His file is put into your cabinet. And so when God opens the file of your life, he doesn't see your record of wrongdoings. He sees Jesus' record of right doings. Now that's the gospel. That is the good news about Jesus. And it is freely received by faith alone. But it's never a faith that is alone. So the implications of a lost heart that's been redeemed... Uh, is that it's now a loved heart. And that's where the second half of the psalm comes in. And the question I want you to be asking yourself as we look at the second half of the psalm is, so what? What does that matter for my life right now? 
does the good news about Jesus have any earthly implications for the way I'm conducting my day-to-day, day in, day out, of living and loving in the world? So let's look at verses 10 to 17 as we look at uh, the loved heart. Uh, look, Just look at the language with me. Um, uh, of David that he uses. He asked God to create a clean heart, to renew a right spirit, to, to not to cast him away from his presence, to restore joy. Uh, these, are, these are requests. These are petitions that David is making of God. He's saying, if you are, as verses 1 and 2 say, if you are full of steadfast love and abundant mercy, if your grace is so wide and deep and tall, if, it is, it is, if, your, if your mercy is wider than my failures, if the good news is really that true, then do these things in me. And if you'll do these things in me, here's what will happen. Verse 13. I will teach transgressors your way, and sinners will return to you. Let me, let me just hover on that for a minute. Um, if, you, if you're here this morning... And you believe the gospel about Jesus, the good news that I've just attempted to communicate to you. If you believe that, here's what this ought to mean of you. Your life ought to be framed and couched in a context that gets the wideness of mercy and grace more than anyone else in the world. And and if that's true of you, um, there will be something attractive and magnetic about your life um, because you will not have a spirit of arrogance around you. You will not be a proud person. You will not be self-righteous. If you know how deeply flawed you are and how deeply loved you are, you will be one of the most humble people on earth. That's why, that's why, that's why Jesus was so magnetic in his presence is because, and, that, and, and, and who was drawn to him? Was it the churchgoers? Was it the religious people? No. He was, he was regularly accused of hanging out with sinners and tax collectors because they were drawn to his presence. Sinners will return to you, God, if you'll do this in my life. If you'll come regularly, and I am speaking to believers, friends. I'm not talking about somebody who's never believed this. I am talking about believers. If you will come to a place regularly in, in life where you can feel that tension of how, deep, how still deeply flawed you are and deeply loved you are, then people will be drawn to your life. And, David says, what will your life be like? Well, your tongue will sing and your lips will praise. I'm reminded, I mean, in the New Testament, James would say, how can you have um, these, these ungodly things come off of your lips? How can, you, how can you praise God on Sunday and then sound like that Monday through Saturday, right? Like it's, it's the duplicitous life. It's the divided heart. It's the person who says they are one thing but actually is another thing. And Jesus was explicitly clear um, that, that those, those people whom he called hypocrites, they're whitewashed stones who say they're one thing, but on the inside are another thing. They do not know him. But Jesus' love would, um, would draw people who are just going through the motions. So let me, let me just kind of land it here. 
are you just going through the motions of being a Christian? Are you just conducting your life in a way that people think you're generally nice? Um, you're, you know, a, just a, a good law-abiding person. Um, Jesus would invite you uh, to experience a deeper intimacy with him. Because here's how your heart actually changes. And this is what was going on in David's life. Um, the way transformation happens inside of you is through a, a deeper intimacy with God. A closeness with God that can be raw and vulnerable and exposed just like David did. Only, only when you have a willingness um, to be exposed like that can God actually get in to do the work that he needs to do in your life. Only when you are willing to be honest with what's going on inside of you to the outside world can God actually get in there to do the change of work. And that is what a broken and contrite heart does. A broken and contrite heart knows how lost it is and yet rejoices in how loved it is. The surprise ending of the psalm, and I'll close with this, um, most scholars commenting on this passage, um, they're kind of shocked of how David ends the psalm. It's kind of out of left field a little bit for him. Let me read verses 18 and 19 as we close. David says this, after all this raw, vulnerable confession, he says, Do good to Zion in your good pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then will you delight in right sacrifices, in burnt offerings, and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. Um, let me, I'll just kind of ca just capstone it for you here in a summary. The work that David um, wants to see God do in his individual life is the work that God is doing on the macro level. So the micro level is your heart. The, 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 the ground um, for the war right now is your heart individually. That's the micro level. But as God gets inside of his people and begins to do this work of renewal, transformation, and restoration, it changes the world on a macro level. And that language of Zion is the language of the kingdom of God. And the language of the kingdom of God is the language of Jesus' sermons. The content of Jesus' teaching was a kingdom is coming. And it's beginning now in my people and it will flourish and thrive on earth eternally. And so the, I, I guess the kind of the echoing phrase I want you to hear coming out of Jesus this morning is the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the good news. The way God is bringing about his kingdom on earth is through the loving presence of his people. And so if you, along with me, will invite God into that deep internal work that maybe some of, some of you have been running from your whole life, if you will invite him into that deep internal work, Zion will be built up. The kingdom will come. And God's loving presence on earth will be felt, known, and experienced by others. Sinners will return and be restored. That's good news 
friends. That's the good news of the gospel. Would you pray and ask God to make it true in our lives? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, so often uh, we are just, we just don't handle our sin well, Lord. We either think that you are deterred by it, that somehow the things that we say, think, or do, or our behavior somehow would deter your love for us, or we just minimize it in a way that we just don't, we just don't think it's a, that big of a deal. God, I pray that you would make the words of David our own, and that we would all long for hearts that are new and pure and whole, and that you would do, do that deep, internal, intimate work of making us right with you, and in doing so, you would build up Zion on earth. Lord, we long to be part of something bigger than ourselves. And so we begin this morning through just confession of how deeply flawed we are. Thank you for loving us in spite of our flaws. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This is the sermon podcast for Mosaic Church in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Committed to bringing the beauty of the gospel of Jesus to the broken places of our lives. 